Hello, this is episode 8 of Healthcare Beans. I'm your host, James Haven, and I'd like to share a, a strange experience I had during the pandemic, um, and it really hit me in in terms of the poor state of mental health in our communities. Um, and, and, you know, we're all hyper aware of how, of how bad depression and anxiety um, has gotten during the pandemic. It's, it's common knowledge and, and well supported by public health data. Uh, really no no surprises here. Um, but what did surprise me is that it, it's really not only people with existing mental health conditions who are suffering. People who, who in the past typically enjoyed good mental health are also, are also struggling. And, and that means we really can't make assumptions around people who who look fine or appear to be happy, um, and simply think to ourselves, "Oh well, well that person's okay. Uh, no need to worry about that person." Um, so here's the story. A friend of mine, she's a, she's a psychotherapist, and she lives in a very nice home in a upscale neighborhood uh, with her husband, who's a a great guy, um, her two small children, and a family dog, uh, which I think is a golden retriever. Um, so very, very nice home life there. Um, and like pretty much everyone in the first half of 2020, they were self-isolating in their home. And my wife and I were self-isolating in our home. And we didn't see them for, I'm guessing, about five to six months. Um, so later on, we come to find out that she and her husband are having a really big disagreement um, about how to stay safe during the pandemic. Essentially, she felt an absolute need uh, at some point to to get outside, get some fresh air, uh, mingle with a small group of close friends and family, um, and, and really provide some sense of normalcy to her kids. And I sympathize with this viewpoint. Um, on the other hand, her husband uh, took COVID precautions very, very seriously. He felt that any contact with other people should be avoided. And that included things like taking walks outside, um, breathing in the air in a parking lot, uh, anything like that. So for about five months, they did it his way, living totally isolated from other people. Um, and in that time, his wife's mental state uh, was deteriorating. So by the time we finally saw her, she was sitting on the floor of her home uh, with her head buried in her skirt and just crying uncontrollably. I, I really couldn't believe my eyes. Up until that point, I've always seen her as as calm and, and in control and very confident sort of person. Um, but the thing I'll never forget is is what she said to us. She, she called out to us and said that we had abandoned her, um, that we never, we never checked to see how she was doing. And, and, and she's right. She, she was totally right. Um, as surprising as it was to hear that from her, um, we did not check on her. We, we really just assumed that she was okay. And, and there are a bunch of reasons for assuming that. I mean, we had always seen her as, as okay in the past. Um, but also, you know, she lives in a nice home in a nice neighborhood and, and she has a beautiful family. We just assumed that she was all right. Um, and we were totally wrong. Mental illness can strike anyone at any time, and especially during the pandemic. So from a data standpoint, I'm aware of this, I know this, but it's really something else to see it happen up close, see it happen to someone you know. 
Um, so one of the big takeaways uh, for me during this past year is that access to mental health services, this has got to be a priority going forward. Fundamentally improving access to mental health services throughout our communities, that's, that's a very clear and, and important goal in healthcare. Um, so for the past few months, I've been keeping a close eye on, on mental health apps. And in particular, there's, there's two companies that I've been following. One is called Talkspace and the other is called BetterHelp. And I found a really good user review of these services. And there's a link in the show notes um, for anyone who's interested. It's a, it's a comprehensive comparison, price and benefits and, and, and operating styles between these two. So the bottom line with these apps is that people sign up and get access to a licensed mental health therapist for something like $250, $260 per month. And that's really not bad when you compare that cost to weekly in-person rates um, with a therapist. And so it's, it's, it's a fairly decent on par deal, except that you get it through the phone. And it's important to note that cost is not the only barrier for traditional in-person mental health services. There's also things like transportation to and to and from a therapist's office. So really thinking about folks who might live in rural areas um, or people who simply don't own a car or have reliable transportation. So that's another barrier that um, mental health apps can kind of work around. So the most exciting news that I've seen uh, coming out of this area is really focused around talk space. The city of Reno, uh, Reno, Nevada, signed a deal with Talkspace to provide therapy for its residents, which is which is great. It's it's a fantastic thing, and it's a bit rare for a local city government to provide this type of service for its residents. Um, and and come to think of it, I I kind of hope that it's really just the beginning of a, of a much bigger trend. I imagine that other municipalities would take this example coming out of Reno and kind of run with it, making possibly making similar deals um, with private companies, private healthcare companies to provide these valuable services for its residents. And, and I think the key thing around how we view this Talkspace Reno deal is that it's not pure charity. Um, Reno officials, they did something kind here, yes, it's a good thing to do, but at the same time, there are local benefits that, that are anticipated to arise from this sort of deal, and these benefits go hand in hand with good governance. Um, so let's say the number of Reno residents who ordinarily could not access mental health services now do have access to psychotherapy through Talkspace. Um, and it's really not too far to imagine, you know, what could come from that and how that could lead to, let's say, less drug or alcohol dependency. And so we know that poor mental health can certainly lead to substance abuse and that access to psychotherapy could have a positive impact here and reduce those trends. Um, we could also imagine that there'd be less domestic violence resulting from access to psychotherapy, uh, possibly less crime. And, and that means fewer run-ins with the police. Um, overall greater work productivity. So we understand that untreated depression and untreated anxiety uh, absolutely slows people down and makes them less productive in their jobs. So ultimately, um, all of these potential benefits, or some of them, could arise from, from this Talkspace Reno deal. And, and if they do, 
it will certainly save taxpayer money. And that's where the good governance part comes in. So with these points in mind, the Talkspace Reno deal is much more, much, much more than a good thing to do. It really is a community investment. And, you know, worst case scenario, if none of these benefits materialize after a year or two, then Reno officials would simply revisit the deal or, or just end it. I mean, who knows? Only, only time will tell if that's the case. Um, but I'm betting it will end up being valuable for, for Reno residents. I think there's much to gain from increasing access to mental health services um, and to do it at this scale for, for, for an entire city if possible. And the last point that I want to make is that going forward, I wonder if residents of different cities across the country would take notice of what's going on here in Reno, Nevada, um, and with Talkspace in particular, and, and maybe start to create a demand for these types of services, sort of setting new expectations around public officials and what they might do for their residents through these particular types of deals. Um, Rather than always looking at different health insurance companies and how these companies provide, you know, different levels of service for different segments of a population, this is our current state of healthcare. It's certainly chaotic. We're, we're not super happy about that. Um, and so looking to the government, local governments, to provide these sorts of services is, is kind of an intriguing proposal uh, for different cities to consider. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to episode eight of Healthcare Beans. You can check out the show notes for any details on this episode over at www.healthcarebeans.com. Um, and if you're interested, feel free to drop a comment or an email if you've got questions. As always, best wishes and God bless.